Our scripture reading this morning is Numbers 25, 1 through 18. While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel while they were weeping in the entrance of the tent of meeting. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. And the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel, in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them, so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. Therefore say, behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and to his descendants after him the covenant of a perpetual priesthood because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. The name of the slain man of Israel who was killed with the Midianite woman was Zimri, the son of Salu, chief of a father's house belonging to the Simeonites. And the name of the Midianite woman who was killed was Cosby, the daughter of Zur, who was the tribal head of a father's house in Midian. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Harass the Midianites and strike them down, for they have harassed you with their wiles, with which they beguiled you in the manner of Peor, and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of the chief of Midian, their sister, who was killed on the day of the plague on account of Peor. This is God's word. Most journeys don't involve going in a straight line from point A to point B. There are usually twists and turns along the way. Sometimes we blow it have to make a fresh start. So how can we get it right in our journey with Christ? There is a book in the Old Testament that can really help. Well, this is one of those Sundays where, you know, as I was anticipating the passage, I'm thinking, I don't know, because this is a pretty sobering passage. And of course, it's also on our family friendly day. So I'm going to have to find a way to speak in delicate language about what's really going on here. So, uh, and third, there is so much I would like to tell you about what is going on, but I'm going to have to restrict myself to the window of time that we've allotted for this. So anyway, this will be interesting. (laughs) Today's sermon is about influencers. Uh, There are some who represent themselves as friends who are actually plotting our harm. There are others who may do something off-putting, even shocking, but who are actually promoting our true good. 
And today we're going to catch a picture of both. Paul explains that the passage that we're studying today was written for our benefit. He says this in 1 Corinthians 10. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in one day. That's a reference to this incident that we just read about. And then he later says, now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. This account of what happened with Phineas and Israel was actually an incident in which God was being very clear about what he thought about what was happening and it was written down in order to help us today. What happened to them poignantly illustrates how God views a breach of command one which is God alone. Loving God all in promotes our good because God is all good. And so when someone says, no, I want God plus, they're actually committing a form of spiritual suicide. God is the source of all good. And so to love God alone is to love the one who does us nothing but good. Now the adverse effect on Israel was immediate. They moved away from God alone. But it happened as an example a plague broke out, 23,000 died within a 24-hour span. Ultimately, 24,000 actually died through the result of this in the subsequent short season. This is actually a window into something that will happen on a global scale in the future, but right now God is operating from patience. In 2 Peter 3.9, it says, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. What happened in the incident with Baal Peor was something in which the, the result was immediately apparent. A plague broke out and God was communicating, this is what I think of what you have done. Right now, God is operating in a way that is marked by patience. He's not willing for any to perish. He wants everyone to come to his son as savior. And so there's a hold. But Baal Peor, the incident with Baal Peor is designed to show us, here's what God thinks of what is going on. The incident that we're considering this morning is really a reality check for a world that is bent on defying God. For now, there's still time. We can learn from Israel's example that blended devotion, God plus, is toxic. And we can help those around us to love God alone, who is the source of all good. So with that, I need to give you some background on this passage in order for you to understand it. So I want to talk about a guy by the name of Balaam who had a plan A and a plan B. Israel arrived at the plains of Moab opposite Jericho. This was the last stop before crossing the Jordan. So this is really their last encampment before they move into the promised land. And Balak, who is the king of Moab, he sees the handwriting on the wall. In fact, he makes this statement. It's recorded a little bit earlier. I think it's in chapter 22. Now this horde will lick up all that is around us as the ox licks up the grass of the field. In other words, when this group of people comes, there's no hope for us. They're gonna be like locusts. And so he basically dialed uber prophet. What I mean by that is uh, he, he called a guy by the name of Balaam. This is the king Balak, 
who calls a guy by the name of Balaam, who's a prophet for hire. And uh, we read in 22, 5 and 6, So he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, saying, Behold, the people came out of Egypt. Behold, they cover the surface of the land, and they're living opposite me. Now, therefore, please come. Curse this people for me, since they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I may be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. So he basically contacted this prophet and said, Please come, I need you to curse this people. And you know the story of the donkey that was talking back to him. The, the last of the three messages, he says in chapter 24, verse 9, he says, blessed, and he's saying this to Israel, blessed is everyone who blesses you and cursed is everyone who curses you. <laughs> this was not going the way Balak thought. Then Balak's anger burned against Balaam and he struck his hands together and Balak said to Balaam, I called you to curse my enemies, but behold, you've persisted in blessing them these three times. Therefore, flee to your place now. I said I would honor you greatly, but behold, the Lord has held you back from honor. So the Balaam plan didn't work out. And these attempts to curse God's people didn't work out. Here's what Balaam said. Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not do anything contrary to the command of the Lord, either good or bad of my own accord. What the Lord speaks, that I will speak. He actually sounds like a noble guy, doesn't he? Whatever God says, that's what I'm going to say. But that's not the whole story. Balak's plan, the king, Balak's plan to curse Israel utterly failed. Balaam pronounced only blessing. And this did not bode well for the Moabites, also known as the Midianites. When plan A fails, don't keep doing the same thing, hoping for a different outcome. You need to move on to plan B. And Balaam actually gave a plan B to Balak. Now, we read in the passage, while Israel remained at Shittim, the people began to play the harlot with the daughters of Moab. For they invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. And at first glance, this seems like an unrelated development. But Balaam, the prophet who refused to curse Israel, was the idea guy behind what is happening here. For example, in Numbers 31, when Moses is looking back on this incident, here's what he says. Behold, these caused the sons of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor. So the plague was among the congregation of the Lord. Balaam was the one who suggested a different strategy from hire a prophet. Balaam was the one who was brought to curse Israel and he said, I can only say what God's gonna tell me and I can't do anything other. But by the way, and he made a suggestion about something different than they can do. Balaam became a poster child for a certain kind of spiritual attack that is even now deployed against Jesus' church. It's at work here in our culture, in our world. In Revelation 2.14, Balaam actually shows up. He says this, but I have a few things against you 
because you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit acts of immorality. Balaam told Balak, I've got another idea. Yes, I'm not gonna curse the people the way you wanted me to. Plan A involved convincing God to reject his people, utter fail. But plan B involves manipulating the people into rejecting God for another. And this plan succeeded. So here's basically, now I'm reading between, between the lines a little bit, but there's great textual warrant for what I'm gonna say. So here's what Balaam suggested to Balak and the Moabites. He said, yes, the plan to curse, curse them didn't work, but become party friends. Invite them to your dinners. Encourage them to abandon God for a better God, and then God will get mad at them and curse them for you. Plan B started with an invitation. Hey, we're having a celebration. Why don't you come join us? The celebration was a meal and it was also a time of worship for Baal Peor. He said, hey, we're having a little festival. It's something we do. Come on, come join us. You'll love it. Yeah, and this is really a festival to Baal Peor who is a much better God than your God. In fact, we actually celebrate worship through sexual intimacy. And so the women of Moab encouraged the men of Israel to celebrate Baal Peor through sexual intimacy. This is attractively packaged worship of a false God. When Israel stood at the mount, God presented a list to them. Here's what matters to me. God alone, no other gods before me. And they had stood at the foot of the mountain and they had pledged themselves to total and exclusive allegiance to God. And now they're adding another God, Baal Peor. They're adopting the God plus plan. Yes, we, we, we're okay with God but we really like Baal Peor. This, by the way, is one of Satan's strategies. This is something that he wants to do and does, and does among us, to move us from God alone to God plus. In uh, 2 Corinthians 11.3, we learn about this strategy. He says, but I'm afraid lest as the serpent deceived Eve, your minds your thinking should be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. He wants to make devotion to Christ something that is not simple, just me, devoted, Lord, into me, devoted, Lord, plus other things, other people, other activities. Satan manipulates our thinking to oppose the simplicity of devotion to God alone. And this was the Moabite strategy, and it was working. The Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the people and execute them in broad daylight before the Lord so that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, each of you slay his men. 
who have joined themselves to Baal of Peor. God's proposed remedy, men have replaced the God who has done them nothing but good with a false God. When Hosea, the prophet, many years later is recalling what happens, he makes a statement that to me is quite striking in describing what Israel has done. God says, I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. Can you imagine finding grapes when you're in a desert? What those would mean to you? I saw your forefathers as the earliest fruit on the fig tree in its first season. But they came to Baal Peor and devoted themselves to shame and they became as detestable as that which they loved. What they're doing is profoundly offensive to God. Because they're saying, we are not wholly dedicated to you. And a plague broke out that killed 23,000 in 24 hours, which is God's way of saying, you don't want me? God prescribed a remedy for the plague. Do you want to stop the plague? It will involve atonement through death. Although all Israel was complicit, leadership failed. And this was a major contributing factor. Apparently the leadership did not step in and say, stop. We're not going to participate. We're not going down there to be a part of these festivals that are really about Baal Peor. So Israel was instructed by Moses to administer capital punishment upon complicit leadership. Now think about what that would involve for you. What if we were involved in moral compromise in a way that declared we do not love the Lord alone? And a plague broke out. And then God says, I want you to take your leaders who didn't warn you and want you to execute them. <laughs> I would be crying at what is asked, wouldn't you? Israel was. Then behold, one of the sons of Israel came and brought to his relatives a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the sons of Israel while they were weeping at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Now, I don't know that they were weeping only because of what God was asking of them. Maybe they were weeping because they were sad about what they had done, but they're weeping. They're not following through with what God said. When Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he arose from the midst of the congregation, took a spear in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and pierced both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman, through the body. So the plague on the sons of Israel was checked. Those who died by the plague were 24,000. So apparently 23,000 in a day, but 24,000 associated with the day or two that this plague had broken out. Many are crying, presumably, because of the challenge of what God has asked them. I want you to execute your leaders. God has told them the plague won't stop until atonement is made through the death of the perpetrators 
at their hands. The people are gathered at the tent of meeting, which is, I don't know, it's not clear, biblical scholars are divided. Was the tent of meeting the same as the tabernacle or were there those two separate places? And I don't know the answer. But this was a place where God would appear and speak to Moses and to Aaron. And so the people are gathered there at a location that signifies the very presence of God in the midst of his people. And Zimri and Cosby come walking boldly through the midst in the sight of all to go into a tent to worship Baal Peor with their joined bodies. This is not the worship of Baal Peor over there. It's now come home. Up to this point, Israel's dalliances have been outside the camp. But Cosby and Zimri, Zimri's a leader, have brought idolatry home. Phineas sees the reality. This, what they're doing, is about telling God to bug off. And the minute we do that, we are committing suicide and all Israel is at risk. So he sprang into action to comply with what God had explicitly told Israel to do. Zimri is one of those leaders, a complicit leader in his case, who's actually importing this. The language suggests that they were pierced by the spear in the very act. Phineas was motivated by zeal for God. God deserves better. We dare not hesitate to make sure he knows our hearts belong to him alone. And he instantly followed through with God's command to execute the perpetrators of the worship of Baal Peor. And the plague was checked. Proverbs 28.1 says, the wicked flee when no one is pursuing, but the righteous are bold as a lion. That's Phineas. God alone. And God has told us what is necessary to stop the plague. And here it's happening right in front of us. Interestingly, God found in one man with one heart for one God the boldness that can stop a plague and the plague was stopped remember what God said you need to execute the leaders all of whom are complicit and Phineas was this one zealot and God used that one zealous man to save a multitude including complicit leaders now, yes, 23, 24,000 died of Israel, but the plague stopped. And God said, that's enough. I see in this one man what is enough. Now, this is one of those places where I'd love to talk to you about the ways in which this is a window toward the cross, but I don't, that'll have to wait for another time. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest. So this is a grandson of Aaron. Has turned away my wrath from the sons of Israel in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them so that I did not destroy the sons of Israel in my jealousy. 
Therefore say, behold, I give him my covenant of peace and it shall be for him and his descendants after him a covenant of a perpetual priesthood because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the sons of Israel. God is looking for people of zeal, people with shock and awe devotion to him. People are not just drifting with the prevailing winds and settling for compromise. And to those who are all in, God says, I am with you. You're gonna partner with me in something profound. Here's a summary from Psalms about Phineas because he becomes a, a poster child for devotion to God. In this recount of Israel, he says, then they joined themselves also to Baal Peor and ate sacrifices offered to the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their deeds and the plague broke out among them. Then Phineas stood up and interposed and so the plague was stayed and it was reckoned to him for righteousness to all generations forever. This man is the real thing. You'll get to meet him, so will I, in heaven. I get to say, Phineas, what was that like? Right now, in this room, the same God who took delight in Phineas is looking for someone. The scriptures say that the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth that he might strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. Right now in this room, he is looking for Phineas's. He is looking for those of whom it can honestly be said, my heart is yours alone. And the scripture says his eyes go to and fro throughout the whole earth. We are on planet earth. So I know his eyes are looking in this room that he might strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. So here's the principle. All in for God, heart completely his, God with you, strongly support. It is possible that God wants to rescue someone through you. In the case of Israel, he rescued thousands through the devotion, the singular devotion of one man. It's possible that God wants to rescue someone through you. He's looking in this room for those whose hearts are completely his that he might strongly support. What's God's competition in your life? What is it in your life right now that God could look to and say, that's competition? Yes, you're devoted to me, but you're devoted to. It can be, by the way, the good opinion of others. Uh, there's someone that, who I care for deeply. My prayer for that person is, Father, would you please deliver this person from bondage to the good opinion of men? Would you break the bonds of idolatry of the good opinion of men? That can be something that is competition for God. To look at Phineas is to see one simple thing. Go all in 
for him. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, be hostile to the Midianites and strike them for they have been hostile to you with their tricks with which they have deceived you in the affair of Peor and in the affair of Cosby, the daughter of the leader of Midian, their sister who was slain on the day of the plague because of Peor. This is God's way of saying the Midianites are not your friends. They have been using a friendship strategy to work your harm. They have been using deceitful kisses. Let me explain. Now in this case, it was actual, literal, deceitful kisses. Uh, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. I actually wonder if that is not written about this specific passage. So here's a word for you as a teenager, although it relates to everybody, but this is, I think, especially true. Are your friends drawing you closer to God? If not, they are not your friends. Are the, do you say peeps? I don't know. Are the peeps you hang with? <laughs> when you spend time with them, do you come away saying, I love Jesus more than ever, or do you not think about it? Or worse, question about it. They are not your friends. If someone who claims to be your friend is making compromised allegiance to Jesus seem attractive, he or she is not your friend. Am I more or less what Jesus wants when I'm around this person? One of the ways that this can be deceptive is with what I would call loopholing scripture. Now, to be around someone who is basically saying, yeah, but God's really not got a problem with this. This is somehow a loophole. This is somehow okay. Even though his word says it's not okay. Phineas did what true friends do. And in his case, he did something that was quite shocking that nobody else, it seems, was prepared to do. And yet by the doing, he actually promoted the good of those who didn't deserve it. He became a means by which grace was given to them. Here's the zealot's promise. God says, I will work in partnership with you to accomplish what can only be explained by the hand of God. If it's God alone between you and me. This is a great promise for us as a church. Find ways to keep going deeper in your loyalty and your zeal for the Lord and then stand back and see what God wants to do. So here's my question for you. What's one thing you can give up that is compromising your devotion to the Lord? What is one thing you could say, you know what? And maybe you're drawing a blank. No problem. Go get some godly trusted counsel. And then pray a high risk prayer. God, would you please show me whatever it is in my life that detracts from, that distracts from, that complicates devotion to you. Show me whatever it is so I can deal with it. I am absolutely confident that if we are a people 
who like Phineas have zeal for God alone, we are going to see something truly amazing that God is going to do. As we grow in zeal, God is going to work through seemingly simple acts to make a difference. I thought this would be a good story, and this is the kid-friendly story, so we'll see how this goes. But I think it is a Phineas type of story about someone, in this case a little girl, who was bold, and God did something quite stunning. So there was a man, and he's the person who told me this story, but there was a man who was very discouraged. His wife had left him. He was completely depressed. He had lost faith in himself and other people in God. He found no joy in living. And it was a rainy morning, and he went to go have breakfast at a little neighborhood diner. And he walked into the restaurant and had a seat. Nobody was talking. It seemed like the mood in the room was a reflection of his own heart. Now there was a a mom and her daughter who were seated at one of the booths and the waitress brought the food to them and set it before them. And the girl said when the waitress was there, mommy, why don't we say our prayers? And the waitress said, sure honey, we pray here. Will you say the prayer for us? And the girl said, sure. Then the waitress said to everybody in the restaurant, bow your heads. (laughs) and surprisingly and slowly everybody bowed their head and then this little girl said God is great God is good and we thank him for our food amen and the waitress said we should do that every morning and all of a sudden the atmosphere in that room changed (laughs) people started talking to each other there was laughter the the whole mood of a place had changed because one little girl said why don't we pray that's a great picture of what God wants to do with people who are men and women and boys and girls of devotion to God and zeal for him he will use of little things things that accomplish something that can only be explained by the hand of God and that's what God wants to do through you right now everyone in this room his eyes are moving to and fro throughout this whole room and he's saying where's a heart that is completely mine oh yeah there's one I'm going to do something through him through her let's pray Father, we see in Phineas such such a stunning, inspiring example of someone. He followed through with what you had told Israel to do, but he was the only one. But he did it because he was zealous for you. He was bold for you. Father, make of us a people who are bold and zealous for you and then work through us to accomplish amazing things. Father, right now in this room, it's possible that there are some who have competition for you that has gained a toehold in their hearts. Would you show them what that is and help them deal with it and say no to it? Father, there are some in this room who have friends who are actually diminishing their devotion to you. Would you give them the courage to be able to say, I'm not writing you off as a person, but I cannot be your friend 
Father, we want to be a people in whom you delight to do amazing things because we are a people whose hearts belong to you alone. Help us become that, we ask in the name of our Savior who died for us, Jesus. Amen.